It is so good to see you guys face to face. If you've ever been an online student, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All right. Have you ever noticed that um, your dentist can't do much work until you open your mouth? Oh, he can, you know, adjust that spotlight, and he can, he can aim the x-ray machine, he can put the paper bib on you, but he really can't get down to work unless you open your mouth, unless you open up. To a certain degree, this is how our relationship with God works. If believers don't open up, then God can't do the work that he longs to do. Which prompts the question, what is the work that God longs to do? Well, we're going to open up the Bible to 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. Would you guys mind standing for the reading of God's Word? Something I'm used to, and I think it's fun. I think it's good. Thanks. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and He will do it. Thank you. You may be seated. Paul makes it clear that God wants to sanctify us. In one sense, to be sanctified is to be set apart. However, it also means to be cleansed. Like at conversion, when a person is cleansed of their sin and the accompanying guilt and shame, they are initially sanctified. That is, sanctified for the first time. And, as you may have heard, after believers die, they are finally sanctified, that is, glorified. Now, there are those who believe that this is all there is to sanctification. Um, you get saved, and you wait for a glorious exit. <laughs> However, this view is neither Wesleyan nor biblical. While we fully agree that there is a, a beginning to the Christian life, and that glorification awaits the faithful, we also believe that God longs for His children to be entirely sanctified. We believe that the second work of grace is available to all Christians and is experienced by those who fully consecrate their lives to Christ. We believe Christians can cut their ties to the sinful nature. And we believe it can happen long before Christians make their glorious exit. This is what Paul is talking about when he encourages the Thessalonians to be sanctified through and through. If you've read 1 Thessalonians, you may have noticed that the church in Thessalonica was made up of a fairly mature group of believers, a group of Christians who were living in harmony with God and each other. So, what does Paul write to these faith, excuse me, faithful believers? Does he tell them to sit back, kick back, and relax? By no means. Paul encourages them to mature in Christ, to be sanctified through and through. Paul knew there was far more to the Christian life than just being initially sanctified. He knew entire sanctification was available to all believers, not just available. It is the call of God on all believers. 
God wants his children to move beyond initial sanctification. So there's initial sanctification and there's final sanctification. And residing between these two lies the possibility of a significant event, just as significant as the other two, a significant event called entire sanctification. Now to get a better handle on this, I want you to think in terms of inclination. Imagine a man with a shackle around his neck. A chain runs from that shackle to an iron ball. The ball is large, immovable. The chain is short, and the man is bent over that ball. This is a picture of the life of an unbeliever. The ball and chain are the man's sins, and he can do nothing but bow before it. He is bound to his sin, unable to escape what Luther referred to as that inward bent. He lives in the kingdom of darkness, incapable of securing his own freedom. Now, when this man places his trust in Jesus Christ, a few things change. This new believer now resides in the kingdom of light, and the chain that once held him to his sin has been removed. He is initially sanctified. However, this man is still inclined toward the ball. The ball that once held him. He, he was arched over that ball so long that he, he conformed to that self-centered curve. He is no longer bound to sin, yet he has an undeniable inclination toward it. He struggles with temptation and is inclined to do what he knows is wrong. If he wants... This believer can live with this sinful inclination until the day he dies. However, he does not have to live this way. By the grace of God, there is the real possibility that this man could be healed of his selfish inclination and be given a new inclination toward God. This is the transformation we refer to as entire sanctification. To be sanctified through and through. This transformation does not free the man from being tempted, nor does it exclude him from the possibility of sinning, because nowhere in the process of sanctification does God rip away a person's free will. However, this man no longer hovers over his sinful nature. Rather, he leans toward God. He has been freed from his sinful nature. He is free to love God and he is free to love others. He has been made perfect. Perfect in love. Perfect. That word's caused a little confusion over the years because uh, people think that when Wesleyans talk about Christian perfection, they're talking about moral perfection. It's not the case. The perfection we speak of is the perfection of love, loyalty, longing, and desire. We are talking about perfection of the heart, purity of intention, the inclination of a person's heart toward God. Of course, this will have a profound way on the way they behave. But at the core of it, at the core of it, it's the transformation of the heart. That is what sanctification is all about. So, who is it that's doing this sanctifying? Verse 23, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Clearly, sanctification is the work of God. 
He is the only one who is fit to do this work. Think of this. How often does your dentist ask you to get involved in the work of dentistry? Thank you for not raising your hands. Never. Patients don't do their own dentistry. Dentists do that work. So what happens when people try to do their own dentistry? Well, my father once told me a story about a man who did just that. The man was on a hunting trip, but he wasn't having much fun because he had a sore tooth. Not wanting to go to a dentist, he decided to do the work himself. Hmm. After consuming a significant amount of alcohol, he grabbed a pair of pliers and started the procedure. He pulled, he twisted, he, uh, he couldn't get the rotten tooth out of his mouth. So in defeat, he tossed the pliers aside and went to close his mouth. But he couldn't, because that tooth had moved just enough out of that socket to prevent him from closing down all the way. So where do you think that hunter went? The dentist, of course. That drunken hunter had to go to the dentist to get his tooth removed. That's a painful experience. But nowhere near as painful as when tr people try to do the impossible task of sanctifying themselves. Now we see this in non-believers when they try to do enough good works to earn their way to heaven, whatever they think that is. We also find this self-sanctifying mentality in the church whenever believers try to continue the journey of holiness on their own strength. They try to take hold of perfect love by their own power. Uh, thanks for saving me God, but I'll take it from here. That makes as much sense as you grabbing the drill out of your dentist's hands and... Uh, Yeah, don't tell me you did that too, okay? <laughs> Sanctification is God's work. He has the power, the ability, the authority, and the desire to sanctify us through and through. All we have to do is open up. That is the part we play. But what is it that we're opening up? Back to verse 23. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless. Apparently, we're giving God access to every element of our being. Sanctification is for the whole person. Now, let's go back to the dentist. How many of you tell your dentist which teeth to work on and which ones to leave alone? Oh, now don't forget, uh, you can check the incisors and the canines, but I, I'm taking care of the bicuspids and the molars. And those wisdom teeth? Yeah, I got them covered. Nobody does that either, right? Okay. I hope not. Because your dentist needs to take care of all your teeth. And I suspect your dentist wants to take care of all your teeth because all your teeth are important. Well, when God looks at a person, He says, that whole person is important to me. And it is my desire to sanctify the whole person. But we don't always see it God's way, do we? We see life as compartments. And this gets us into some trouble. 
Oftentimes, when people talk about these compartments, they're referring to horizontal compartments. Uh, you got your work life, your home life, your school life, your night life, that other life that we're not going to talk about right now. Unfortunately, we as Christians have been known to play receptionist with God concerning these areas of our lives. Um, it's like we've allowed God into the waiting room, but uh, we're not letting him pass the front desk. I'm sorry, God. Um, we're not quite ready for you yet. We're still cleaning up a few things. Uh, maybe you could just thumb through a copy of uh, Field and Stream here. Popular Mechanics. Holiness Today. <laughs> Have you ever done that with God? I mean, not the magazine thing, but you know where I'm going, right? <laughs> you let him in your home life, but you won't let him come to work with you. Or maybe you've accepted his call to ministry, but now uh, you're going to call the shots when it comes to where you're willing to serve. I mean, hopefully that's not where you're at. But I think we've all been there. In addition to horizontal compartments, we also can compartmentalize in a vertical direction. Um, the life of the seen, that is the body. The life of the unseen, the soul and the spirit. This, is, this causes trouble as well. If sanctification is only a spiritual matter, then eat, drink, and be merry. Go sleep with Mary. Dress up like Mary. What's it matter? Do with your body as you wish. As long as your soul's saved, right? You're good to go then. Or if, if sanctification is only about the body, then all you have to do is live a good life. Don't drink, don't smoke, and don't wiggle too much when you dance. You got it made, right? Paul makes it clear that sanctification is for the whole person. God doesn't see us in bits and pieces or kibbles and bits. He sees us as a whole. And when he sanctifies a person, he sanctifies the whole person. Sanctification applies to every area of your life, my life. It is a cleansing of every component of your being. And it is not automatic. Hey, did you hear what happened to me the other day? I was sitting down at the bus stop, just twiddling my spiritual thumbs, and boom! Got sanctified. Entirely sanctified. Uh, that makes as much sense as you going to the dentist's office and uh, sitting in the waiting room, and boom! New teeth. I know that hasn't happened to any of you, right? You see, there's a crisis that develops in the hearts of believers as they come to the realization that the sinful nature is still having an influence in their lives. A tension develops. They, they feel secure in their salvation. And yet they are very uncomfortable with the presence of the sinful nature. The tension increases as the Holy Spirit calls believers to open up, to fully consecrate their lives to God. It is time for them to make a decision. And maybe it's time for you to make a decision. The Holy Spirit's been calling some of you to open up. To let go of that relationship that you haven't handed over to Him quite yet. Or to let go of that besetting sin that has been entangled. You've been entangled in it for years. Or to let him guide your ministry instead of you trying to get his okay on your plan.
I don't know what the crisis looks like for you. But if you won't open up your entire life to God, He can't sanctify you through and through. On the other hand, if you give God access to your entire life, that which is seen and that which is unseen, your home life, your family life, your career, your ministry, all of it, then God can do that second work of grace. And He can free you from the sinful nature. And He will change your inclination. Is God really serious about this? Can we really live holy lives in this screwed up world? Verse 24. If you know me, you know I get like this. So, bear with me. The one who calls you is faithful. And he will do it. Yes, God is serious about this offer. Yes, entire sanctification is real and available. Yes, we can live holy lives in this world. The God who created all things, the God who came to earth clothed in humanity, the God who is faithful to give himself on the cross, is the same God who longs to sanctify us through and through. And he will do it when we open up. Heavenly Father, chapel full of ministry students and professors, and yet oftentimes we get ourselves um, deep in ministry, deep in our education, and we hold on to things that we should not be holding on to. Lord, I pray that you would call us to let go and to open up, to give ourselves to you completely, and to live for you completely. I thank you for my brothers and sisters here, and I pray your blessing upon all of them. In Jesus' name, amen.